Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in again. This is Mike Hill on the Everything Went Black podcast. Trying to evolve this thing, figure out what I'm going to be doing. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who's been checking out the Metal Matters podcast. So this episode is going to be more or less a book review about a book I just finished called Knucklehead. But before we get into that, I just want to thank everyone who has transitioned over to listening to Metal Matters. That's the Gimme Radio weekly podcast that I've been slaving away at. We had two really cool episodes in the last few weeks. Uh, we had Phil Anselmo, that was just uh, that just went up yesterday as I record this, and Harley Flanagan, two controversial figures in extreme music. I mean, Harley is a legend. He is the founding member of Cro-Mags, New York City hardcore luminary. And um, if you're living in New York and you're involved in the New York hardcore scene, you might have mixed feelings about him. However, the fact of the matter is the Cro-Mags really is his band. You know, I mean, I know John Joseph's been out there doing his thing, but that band, they might be sick live. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen that version of the band, but the Cro-Mags JM, that's not really the Cro-Mags. You know, anything you know, that Harley does, in my opinion, is the Cro-Mags. They got this uh, seven inch that came out. Everyone on that record has been in the band. It's got Rocky George on guitar, G-Man on drums, Harley on bass and vocals. And uh, oh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but he was, I think, he was the guitar player on Alpha Omega. So uh, it's a legit version of the band. The song sounds great. There's new material. Anyway, you can listen to that episode. It was um, a surprisingly candid look into Harley's life. And um, yeah, it was, it was uh, a trip talking to him. Now, Phil Anselmo, you guys probably remember a few years ago, got himself into some trouble uh, by saying some stuff that some people may have construed as having racist feelings now that was like i don't know three four years ago at this point uh i was really proud of the episode um you know most most comments have been pretty cool uh one person wanted to know if i was going to grill him about the white power stuff i did not grill him about the white power stuff and i'll tell you why when it happened Three years ago, I think, at least three years ago, there was plenty of people grilling him about it. He made a statement. You can go on the internet and read it, and I feel like that horse has been flogged to death. On a personal level, I think that Phil is guilty of bad judgment, and um, I do not believe that Phil holds any kind of white nationalist uh, ideologies and um, I've met the man uh, in person. Uh, I interviewed him this one time, and uh, I have to say that he's one of the cooler people that I've had the pleasure of talking to. Uh, aside from all that, I mean, he's, I'm not a big Pantera fan. I never, I mean, I, I checked out Cowboys from Hell when it came out, and, um, you know, it was pretty cool. Not really my cup of tea. 
But I think his post-Pantera work is probably some of the best stuff he's done. I really like Down. Scour is is awesome. Uh, you know, Superjoint was cool. Uh, Superjoint is cool, rather. Uh, Tombs played with them and Down in Dallas a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, they were great live. But his most recent offering, this band N Minor, is quite a departure for him. Oh, and also, let's not forget Philip H. Anselmo and the Illegals, a fine band, kind of melding everything that you might assume Phil would be into. You know, there's like some, uh, some groove metal, there's some death metal, there's some black metal stuff in there, very, very subtle black metal influence, uh, grind, you know, beat down hardcore. It's pretty much all mixed in with the illegals. And uh, I got a chance to play with them last year at uh, this festival out in Pontiac, Michigan. And it was awesome. They were great. And uh, for those of you out there who still might believe that Phil is racist, I'd like to call to your attention that the majority of the members of the band are people of color. So maybe contact them and ask them if they believe that Phil's racist. So, I don't know. These days, you do something stupid, you say something stupid, and it's part of the pastiche of our society forever. I know I've said really stupid things over the years. I'm sure every one of you has said something really stupid. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, there's just no forgiveness these days. And, and I, uh, so actually another, another case of no forgiveness, uh, dragged across concrete, a movie that I am really into came out a number of, you know, a few months ago, I think maybe, you know, springtime. I'm a big fan of S Craig Zoller. I mean, I think, uh, bone Tomahawk is great. Brawl on cell block H is awesome. Where I think that's the name of the movie. <laughs> Uh, so I posted something on Instagram, you know, explaining that I love this film. I thought it was great. You guys should all go see it. And, uh, you know, there's a comment that was left there that says, oh, have we forgiven Mel Gibson? And I'm like, what that motherfucker does in his personal life has got nothing to do with me seeing this movie. There's no goddamn way in hell that I am not going to see a movie that Craig Zoller produced because someone out there doesn't approve um i don't know what that makes me that makes me a free thinking person in a free society so i don't know i just think there's a lot bigger fish to fry in the world these days instead of paying attention what people watch uh as films and you know they might have some guy in there that you don't agree with you think he might be misogynistic or whatever so that's your freedom. It's also my freedom to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And let's, uh, let's just kind of leave it at that. Now, the last episode, the intro track, that's Diocletian. They've been around for a number of years, but more in the last few months, I really started getting into this band. Diocletian. And that's the opening track off of Just Sundrian. So if you guys are into uh, war metal, black metal, just gnarly shit, go check that out. So anyway, let's get into this episode. 
Knucklehead by Adam Smyre. Now, I am a big fan of Eugene S. Robinson. He's been on this at this podcast of several years ago. He's one of my guests the first time I interviewed him. I've interviewed him on, um, actually, he was on last episode, so forget about that. I We were supposed to do a uh, night talk, but for reasons uh, that I'll say have to do more with technology, we were unsuccessful in capturing that conversation in its full glory. So an abbreviated version of that was released last month. And anyway, he's a fascinating guy. And for those of you who um, aren't familiar with the band Oxbow, he's the front man. And, and that band's been around since the late 80s. And prior to that, he was in a band called Whipping Boy. And in addition to all this stuff, he's an editor at large at Ozzy.com. He's the uh, host of Ozzy Confidential, which is their you know podcast, and they do um, they release seasons. It's not like an ongoing thing. There's like season one, which wrapped up, which had a lot of fascinating interviews. Apparently, season two is produced and recorded, and uh, we're just waiting for a release date. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. Eugene has also written several books. My favorite uh, of his is Fight which is about fighting and uh, martial arts. And I urge all of you who are interested in that field to check it out. It's got some great stories in there. He's also the host of the weekly Knuckle Up podcast, which primarily deals with MMA, but not exclusively MMA. He talks about philosophies uh that's where i got hipped to his idea about past lives Uh, a little bit of politics um lifestyle and he recommended through his podcast this book knucklehead and just the title alone piques my interest i think that uh you know that uh, that sort of appeal to some of my more baser proclivities in this life um you know i I am a fan of dealing with situations in the most pragmatic sense sometimes the most pragmatic sense requires discrete physical confrontation and action so uh based on some of the stuff i had read on the back of the book and eugene's glowing review of the book and recommendation i ended up ordering this book from amazon and um adam smire he's the author uh, this is his debut book and he tells a story which i'm assuming is semi-autobiographical like in the way that charles bukowski used the character henry chinaski i'm assuming that um that smire uses the character Marcus Hayes to stand in for himself. And, you know, maybe these stories aren't 100% factual, but I think the essence of these stories uh, probably bear a very accurate reflection of his life as a young man. A lot of it takes place in the 90s, so that puts Adam roughly the same age as me. A guy who was in his 20s in the 90s, who's in his 50s right now. And um, so that, that, that as well sort of 
piqued my interest in this. So the character Marcus Hayes, he's an African-American New Yorker. Uh, growing up like in the late 80s, uh, discovers martial arts. There's a uh, system that he utilizes where he keeps track of the days that go without confrontation. And, uh, you know, so there you go. It kind of sets the, sets the table for uh, the kind of guy that he is. Uh, in addition to be someone who's into fighting, uh, he seems to be a very, an, an above average intellect. So he gets into law school, becomes an attorney, and relocates out to the Bay Area. And uh, now, what, what I like the most about this book is that it definitely tells the story of the quote-unquote black experience in America during the 90s. But it's relatable to white guys like me. Um, yeah, I mean... Sometimes uh, I read books that have a, a sl- an African American slant, and it's you know I, I can't relate to it really because I, I being a white guy, I grew up in the suburbs. I you know my my family wasn't poor. Um, I was into like white guy stuff, you know, rock music, uh, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Punk, hardcore, metal, thrash metal, typically white guy stuff. You know, um, now. Marcus Hayes, the character Marcus Hayes, his family is in the middle class. He grew up in the city, in the uh, you know the the not not the Lower East Side or like Alphabet City, but in like a solid area. And uh, you know he had money growing up, not a whole lot, and it was through the hard work of his parents that he was able to enjoy this stability. And that was where I related to the character because, you know, I, I didn't grow up in some gritty urban environment. I grew up, you know, in Carmel, New York, which is like, you know, hour, 15 minutes north of the city on the Connecticut border. And uh, I, I didn't have a lot of wants when I was a kid. Um, you know, very solid Irish, Italian upbringing. Uh, everyone, everyone worked, um, you know, everyone drove around in new cars. My dad worked at IBM. He, he had, uh, worked his way up. I mean, he, he didn't have a high school education. He, he had a high school education, never graduated, went into the military, went into the Navy. Uh, both my mom and my dad worked when they got married. Uh, they lived in the Bronx. Uh, they just achieved through hard work moved out of the city because they wanted to have a family and uh they had me so in this case i identify with smyer's character marcus hayes is that uh had opportunity did not come from uh, a, a um you know a sort of environment of want now Throughout the book, we uh, we see that Smyre has a this antisocial sort of proclivity with the way he deals with things. He's fascinated by guns. He's always sizing people up. He has no problem using his hands. Um, trouble seems to find him, which uh, is also something I can relate to as well. 
um, doesn't go out looking for trouble, but somehow always finds himself in these situations. And that was particularly true for me when I was a young man as well. So uh, there's some relationship stuff in the book. Uh, the first woman he gets married to, uh, they have a, what seems to be an incredibly stable relationship. You know, there's this period of calm in his life where they're both making a lot of money. Uh, they're both working as attorneys. And I'm not going to give too much of the plot away, but that that comes to an end. And then there's a dark period after that. And even some of that, even though in my situation, things were not exactly like that, I found myself in a relationship with a woman. I had just gotten out of college and uh, quite different from the type of woman you might expect me to, believe, to be with these days. And... Um, you know, that came to an end, plunged me into this period of darkness and self-examination. And uh, in a sort of Nietzschean sense, I went under to come out on the other side, uh, changed and hopefully improved, debatably improved by some people. So anyway, Hayes goes through this experience of loss Um darkness stops working his job these are all decisions that are made as a result of a situation that he's forced to deal with now now let's let's talk a little bit about magic <laughs> like i don't believe necessarily in uh you know pulling rabbits out of hats but i do believe in manifesting things when you meditate with intention, positive things when positive thoughts are put forth into the world, but also when you create a negative attitude and you're putting negative thoughts out into the universe, that is really the manifestation of demonic energy. That's that's a that's how I feel. I don't you know you guys have your own beliefs. You know I don't necessarily believe in in these. Um, you know, Western ideas of uh, God and the devil and these Judeo-Christian ideas about good and evil. But I do believe that even if it's all internal, you're, you're conjuring certain forces in your life and creating environments because, you know, ultimately we all have the whole of reality is internal to us. So that's a lot of what I think, quote unquote, magic, am I... <laughs> M-A-G-I-C-K is not casting spells or any of this other stuff. So darkness enters the dark life of Marcus Hayes in the, for, in the form of a woman. And uh, a lot of violence happens. A lot of, uh, a lot of really intense shit. You read about it. And uh, at one point, Hayes is unemployed, and he finds himself in court. Now, at this point of the novel, this is what there's. This next thing is what really I found myself thinking about this for for days after I finished the book. He made a statement about how, when he was sitting in court, I believe it was at that point that he had this epiphany that he had become 
the things that his mother never wanted him to be. And that statement I felt to be very heavy because like I, I'm not, I've, you know, I've had run-ins with the law at a very young age, but I've, you know, I've generally managed to stay out of real legal trouble for the entirety of my life actually. So that necessarily wasn't what I was relating to, but what I was relating to, and, and I have both of my parents, um, Hayes's char- the character of Marcus Hayes only had his mom. Like his dad wasn't in the picture. He, he had died at some point. And even his father's death, if you choose to read this book, has uh, some dark sort of stuff around it. And um, what had resonated with me was how you had a guy who grew up in an excellent family environment, albeit a single you know, mother scenario. But he had a lot of respect. His mother did a great job of raising him. He had been given opportunities to learn and get a good education. He had secured a good job, yet through whatever personality, I'm not going to say their weaknesses, but whatever personality characteristics, he had found himself sort of at the bottom, bottoming out. And that's what I related to. Now, similar to Marcus Hayes and possibly similar to Adam Smyre, um, Adam Smyre by way of Marcus Hayes, I'll say. I have grew up in an excellent family environment. I had a lot of good role models. Uh, I went, I grew up in safety. Uh, I didn't grow up on the streets. You know, there was like the normal everyday kid stuff you deal with when you're a teenager, but nothing really intense. Um, I didn't even have the urban dangers that kids, city kids had. I grew up in those safe suburbs. I got a great education. I even scored a great job when I got out of school. Yet, I have found myself homeless. I have found myself sleeping on people's couches. I had found myself destitute. And at, I'm sure my parents had never figured on any of those situations arising in my life. They figured that we're going to make sacrifices. We're going to you know, make sure Michael goes to college, gets a good job, and then he's off to the races, man. The sky's the limit. You know, get married, have kids, own a house, put some money away all that kind of stuff. None of those things I've actually done. So <laughs> um, I guess the book stayed with me for days and it prompted me to look at the bigger picture of my life and maybe not think of just the immediate future and running headlong into situations to hope for the best. And maybe I should apply a certain level of planning and long-term visionary thinking when it comes to the future. You know, and I mean, if you're if you're young and you're in your early twenties, and these are all things that are obvious to you about your living your life, then that's great. Uh, but for me, it's taken me decades to reach this point of possible visionary thinking. So, anyway. It's a great book. I really enjoyed it. Um, I give it a four out of five. I don't know if I'll ever reread it, but I really I enjoyed it. It's um, 
it's in a sort of journalist actually you know speaking about bukowski though his prose style is not that hemingway john fonte style that bukowski employs the mechanisms of the book are very similar in that they have this uh this this tidbit of information these anecdotal entries as if you're reading a diary which is what led me to believe that maybe some of these things some of these stories had actually been gleaned from Smyre's own personal library uh so yeah i mean it's a it's an easily digested book um it's a you know it's a page you can you can knock out like 50 60 pages at a, in, in one sitting uh the, the style is very compelling. There's a lot of cool stuff that happens in the book, like a lot of action items for a matter As a matter of fact, I'm a big ministry fan. He talks about going to see ministry. I think that's cool. It also, you know, for those of you who, who think that people can just be one way, it allows you, the character sort of shows a complexity being that he's into all sorts of different cultural stuff like ministry, hip hop, karate, martial arts, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's uh, that's Knucklehead. Great title, by the way. Adam Smyre, I hope to see more stuff out there by you. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm going to be looking out for your next book. And uh, so, yeah, it's... um. It was quite a nice, uh, nice surprise that uh, Eugene had imparted on me. So that's it for this week, guys. Um, I'm going to try to do this sort of freeform, freestyle thing uh, at least twice a month. Maybe it'll turn into a weekly thing. Certainly, Metal Matters comes out on a very rigid schedule every Tuesday at zero hundred hours a new episode is posted so if you like uh, extreme music definitely check that out also props to rachel out there my good friend rachel austin texas rachel she uh listened to the last episode i still hate fucking pc laptops they can go get fucked from for all i care she's offered to give me some guidance on getting a new uh mac so props to Rachel. Good looking out, sister. I hope to see you soon, not too far down the line. And you guys all take care, and I will see you when I see you. <laughs>